This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport every Wednesday, brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. Coming up on this week's show, we'll talk cricket as Griffins claim their first CI crown. Guernsey's women claim their first ICC ranking over in Austria and Guernsey's men get ready to face the old enemy at the KG5 on Saturday. Uh, we'll also talk triathlon, a fantastic result for Josh Lewis over in Finland, fifth in the world in the Ironman 70.3. A full interview with him coming up and we'll reflect everything else that's been going on over the bank holiday weekend. My name is Tony Kerr and with me as ever, it's the Guernsey Press Sports Editor, Gareth Lepreveau. Hi Tony. Hey Gareth, good weekend? Not too bad. It seems a very busy weekend, sort of Friday night, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So it was a lot going on. Yeah, pretty nonstop. Hey? Um, let's start with cricket because um, there's plenty to discuss. As I say, we've got the Interinsula back at the KG5 on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. We'll also talk to Ben Fairbrush about the women's tour to Austria, which was very successful. But let's start with what happened a couple of days ago at the KG5, where Griffins beat Kobo pretty comprehensively to claim the Belasco CI League crown, um, their first Channel Island title. And yeah, Gareth, I say comprehensive. It was almost over within the first over. <laughs> pretty much. Kobo were reduced to naught for two by Luke Bishard uh, in that first over. Tony, it... Um, it was a slight delay to the start of play because of a, a brief shower over the KG5, pretty much bang on 11 o'clock on Saturday. But when they did start, um, Luke Bishard started like an absolute train and he made the most of sort of like the, the, the slightly damp conditions because of uh, the rain that had just passed and he, he bowled absolutely beautifully. And yeah, Kobo were naught for two after one over, four for three after sort of three overs. And yeah, like you say, pretty much that's that's virtually game over, to be honest, at that point. Um, Luke had taken all three wickets to fall. Um, Adam Wakeford then came into the attack, took a couple himself. He bowled nicely. And uh, from 24 for five, Kobo faced a huge mountain to climb. Um, to be fair, Charlie Birch and Will Peatfield batted, batted well together. They batted sensibly just to ensure that they got you know, a respectable total on the board. At one stage, it didn't look like they'd get anywhere near 100, but they, they managed to sort of scrape into, into triple figures. But um, a, a total of 105 all out against Griffins was never likely to be enough. And with the sun having come out and the conditions were easier to bat as the day went on. I mean, it, it wasn't a 105 all out wicket, nothing of the sort, but... Um, it, it was it was uh, nowhere near enough from Kobo and yeah Griffins saw it off uh, relatively comfortably to be honest with with plenty to spare as you say Luke Bishard with three wickets at the top um, bowled fantastically and you spoke to him uh, at the conclusion congratulations mate um, how does it feel to be Channel Island champions yeah I think it's very unexpected the season we've had and I think we've played really well the last sort of month or so didn't really start the season where we wanted and we just missed out on the uh, weekend league the local league and um, yeah to put a string of performances I think we won our last three uh, group games which were all against Jersey sides and then we'll sort of obviously top it off with beating Kobo in the final fairly convincingly it was quite a nice way to end the season No, so sort of finishing the, the group stages that way did it give you a lot of confidence coming into today's final yeah I think we we just sort of hit our straps at the right time players started scoring runs and you know we started bowling and fielding a bit better um, but 
I think it's a massive credit to us. We stuck to it. We could have easily sort of folded halfway through the season, but we stuck to it. We've ended on a high and it's, uh, yeah, we, we we played maybe some weaker jersey sides. We've maybe got a little bit lucky in that respect, but you know, we played really, really well in those games. We've uh, put a string of performances together to end up winning the CI League. What was the key to your opening burst today? I mean, three wickets in your first couple of overs. You must have been, uh, you must have been absolutely reveling in that. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, it's the dream start. Nicked off first ball and third ball another wicket. And um, you know, the the it rained just before, and I think the pitch had a little bit of moisture on it and did a little bit up top. I think we got we were better bowling conditions today. I think it flattened out as the day went on. So, you know, put it in the right areas. The pitch did pitch did quite a lot, and uh, yeah, I think we we bowled and fielded as a unit really well together. So. I, I was lucky to get off to a good start, but after my sort of overs, we, we stuck to it. And I mean, Adam Wakeford came in, got two crucial wickets as well. And so who's taking the credit for you bowling from the De Beauvoir end now? Because you, you've always bowled from the other end for, until pretty much August. And now all of a sudden you're taking wickets from this end. Well, it, it was really wet with the evening league games on the mat. And obviously because it's slightly downhill, the other end was really wet. So I said to TK, I want to bowl from the top end. I uh, bowled really well that game, so we've sort of stuck with it since then. I think Dane's probably not as happy about it, but uh, you know, today downhill with the wind probably helped. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it, and you know, probably next weekend we'll peak field to pull the ranks in the internship. We both get to play, and uh, might be coming back up the hill. It'd be great to end the season on a highlight. So representing Guernsey next weekend. I mean, team hasn't been announced yet, but I mean, you'll, you'll obviously be in contention. Nice to look, look forward to that one. Yeah, it'll be really nice. I mean, we've. I've only played one 50 over in Trinchula. I was away in Jersey last year. We got close, but I think you know this year we can try and you know build on what we did in Holland and try and end the season on a really good high. You know, we end it on a personal note that for the club we've finished on a high, and it would be nice to do it in again to share as well next weekend. Luke Bouchard chatting to you there. Uh, head to our social channels as well to see a few clips from the match uh, and an interview uh, with Griffin's captain, Tom Kirk. Um, you won't see any of uh, Luke's wickets in those clips because I was an over late. Uh, and yeah, and the game was, uh, yeah, the game was kind of moving a pace at that point. But um, an interesting sort of journey they've been on this summer in the 50 over game and obviously fought back from almost being out of contention and, and, and kind of on a, on a real losing streak earlier in the summer to, to reach the final um, kind of at the death and then obviously win it. I mean, what's your assessment of how successful the, the CI League has been this year? And, you know, there's already talk of, of maybe kind of developing it uh, into next season now. Yeah, it's it's been a big boon for for domestic cricket, really, Tony. To to have the chance to play against different faces, sort of like every week um, or sort of most weeks, because I mean, it's seven seven sides involved in the in the CR League. So to get to the opportunity to play against Jersey sides has really sort of freshened things up. Um, there have been times sort of during the summer, particularly perhaps in August, where naturally people will take holidays and what have you, that the sides haven't perhaps been quite as strong as, as you'd hope. Um, but certainly, um, yeah, Griffins, they started, like you say, their summer, they started the summer as sort of Guernsey's best long format side on paper. And they, they've proved that over many years. And then sort of like coming, I remember coming out of the Ireland game, sort of starting to put focus again on cricket and Griffins just weren't at the races at all at that point in the summer. And it looked like they wouldn't get anywhere near the top two in the CR League, but they managed to sort of pull things around. And the, the Griffins we've seen over the last couple of weeks has been sort of like the, the real Griffins, I think. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's no surprise that the summer ends with, with them being in the final. I think midway through the summer, it was a surprise that if they would get to the final... 
Um, but they they hit their straps at the right time, and they I mean they thoroughly outplayed Kobe on Saturday and, and were deserving winners of the title. Yeah, congratulations to Griffins on that success, and of course we'll be uh, back to the KG Five on Saturday um, for the men's fifty over into Insula, which is um, going to be reasonably well anticipated now, I guess, uh, given um, the sort of perhaps the progress uh, that Guernsey have made uh, as an island squad over the summer and over this year, and, and potentially some whispers that Jersey might not be as strong as as they have been um uh, in the last well i suppose sort of five six years really either side of the pandemic um yeah what's your sense gareth of, of how things are shaping up on that front well i think the guernsey squad um i mean they haven't actually officially announced the, the who's going to be playing on saturday but uh, from what i hear that pretty much everyone's available for selection so it, it should be um it should be a squad that's pretty much full of confidence um they will be underdogs jersey have obviously shown how strong they are over over recent times but um, the Guernsey side will, they will look at on paper the ability they've got. They've, if, if they perform to their potential, they will be a very hard nut to crack for Jersey. Um, we don't know how strong Jersey are going to be this weekend. Like you say, I think some of their, their better players are, are largely based in, in the UK. They play a lot of um, club cricket or university cricket in the UK. We're not exactly sure how strong they'll be on the Saturday at the KG5. Um, it will be a good side and Jersey won't field anything less than a good side. There might be a couple of sort of different names than usual. Um, so I, I think Guernsey have just got to back themselves and it's one of those that you just hope um, it's, it's it's a bit something that Frither used to say when he was playing, uh, Jeremy Frither, director of cricket, play the game, not the occasion. You, you don't want them to go out there thinking, oh, it's a big game, you know, big crowds here. You don't want them to go out and just express themselves as they can. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got Matt Stokes, Tom Nightingale, Josh Butler, Will Peatfield. You've got some some really good players there, and they're all very capable. You've got the guys from Griffins, um, certainly the bowling attack of um, Luke Bichard, Adam Martell, and uh, Dane Mullen, who I, I expect to be involved in the squad. I mean, we haven't seen the, the, the official announcement yet, but I'm sure they'll be uh, involved and so they'll be confident as well and yeah I mean it's a one-off game uh, just give it your best shot and, and they're definitely in with a shout yeah nothing to lose um, for Guernsey's men on Saturday and uh, one man who will be in contention for a place is Ben Fairbrush uh, who's also been away in Austria over the weekend coaching uh, the island's women on their tour there where they went in pursuit of a first ICC ranking and won the series 3-1 uh, having kind of fought uh, through travel disruption uh, just to get there um, so yeah great result for them and we caught up with Ben to talk about the women's tour and look ahead to this Saturday too. Furby good to see you uh, thanks for joining us from the airport on your way back uh, I know you had a lot of travel disruption on the way there and uh, yeah hopefully you've had a, a bit of a smooth trip but all in all a successful one a 3-1 win. Yeah yeah excellent trip really um sorry in the uh, lack of sleep but <laughs> apart from that now on the pitch uh the women certainly performed it on, on that front um really bought it you know, an excellent performance all round um, to, to win 3-1. Yeah, and I know the kind of aim of the weekend, well, as much as anything, you know, the, the, obviously the experience and the, and the match practice and, and, and everything, but um, to come away with an ICC ranking, uh, does that 3-1 win kind of give you what you wanted on that front? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it gets us some ranking points. Uh, we're hopeful that our 2019 fixture against Jersey um, from a few years ago obviously gets us some more ranking points as well. Um, if that's able to happen, we're not sure yet. Um, but we could be as high as sort of mid 40s in the world which is an incredible achievement from where we started the year yeah fantastic and just talk us through the, the story of the weekend on the pitch then um who stood out and then and, and kind of yeah how did it all play out 
Yeah, sort of everyone really chipped in. Um, Blair Jennings certainly chipped in with, with the ball, um, picking up uh, bowler of the tournament. Um, bowling fantastically uh, up front in the power play and at the back end, so two really difficult areas to bowl. Um, and, and likewise, Molly Robinson with us spinning game one, got some great leg spins to get quite a few wickets in game one. Um, but other than that, sort of everyone chipped in, Emily Merry and Elise, and Alan Newland, Cav, sort of everyone sort of contributed the whole week, which was really nice. Um, to, to get us over the line and you know when, when one player didn't contribute the next player did so it was kind of quite a nice a nice week where we weren't heavily reliant on one or two players so that everyone was, was chipping in Alright Ferbs um, just in terms of sort of like the, the, the change of scenery I suppose for, for that women's squad I mean did, did you notice um, uh, any sort of nervousness or perhaps um, just uh, uh, perhaps a, not a confidence but just the, the idea of having a, a new adventure did you did you sort of notice that in me- their mentality as they went out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think there was really any nerves, actually, to be honest. I don't know if that was just because of the, the nightmare travel we had to get there. Um, sort of like, you know, they only had like three hours sleep. Uh, and it was sort of just everything was loads of adrenaline on day one. Um, and to perform the way the way they did was, was unbelievable. So the nerves didn't really come. But I think that might have been just because we didn't have time to get nerves but or, or sort of prep ourselves just with everything being so manic. Um but a change of scenery definitely helps. You know, we've only played Jersey in the last sort of five years. Uh, we went away to tour to Somerset this year, which was sort of the start of our summer. Um, but to play an actual ICC tournament, I'd get IC ranking points. That was sort of our big aim for the year to, to achieve that by the end of the year. So, yeah, that it was definitely worth the change of scenery. Um, Facilities-wise, I, I think the women now appreciate how good our facilities are in Guernsey. Um, and, and that certainly shone through in the week, just seeing how good we've actually got it. Um, which, which is again another positive against Britain. Were there any sort of areas of the game in particular that, that pleased you? I mean, you mentioned sort of Claire's bowling at sort of uh, both the opening and at the death. But any sort of general aspects where where you thought um, uh, perhaps the the trainers really showed um, shown a, a progression? Yeah, definitely. Um, with, with regards to fielding, we've improved a heck of a lot on that that aspect. Um, Nikki Palmer's come in and, and helped with us with that, so doing a lot of the fitness element. Um, and incorporate it into cricket fielding as well, which has massively helped. You can see by sort of game four, we were still ready and to go, whereas actually Austria looked like they were struggling a bit. We were sort of fighting our way through a, a real tough sort of schedule. Um, and then likewise with the bat, you know, it actually setting up games where we can afford to actually actually have a proper go and, and bat at the back end of an innings, which we probably haven't done in the past. Admittedly, yes, we have played jersey in the past. They're a very good outfit, so, so it's always tough against those sorts of teams. But actually, by being sort of two, three wickets down in games and actually having a real go, actually made, you know, as a big positive that, from where we've come from. So, yeah, really happy all in all. Yeah, great to hear. And what's next for, for Guernsey's women? I mean, I suppose it's now kind of planning for next year, is it? Yeah, definitely. So uh, there'll be a, a bit of a, a rest for the next week or so. Um, I think we're going to try and report back to sort of wins training reasonably early. Uh, we've already got our tournament next year. We've got our eyes on, um, which is yet to be released, but uh, we're, we're sort of, there is really something in the pipeline there. Um, so, you know, playing more and more ICC T20 fixtures is, is our main aim um, and possibly a trip into tie into Hampshire, which obviously we've got strong links with uh, there. Sort of the Southern Vipers might be our sort of link in there to go for a training weekend or something like that. Um, so it's, it's sort of uh, all, you know, all go at the moment. Uh, they're really, really keen to continue. Getting away on tour always, always teaches you more and more things. It actually gels you as a unit as well. I think that's the main sort of takeaway of this week is how tight-knit the team are. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's always a real positive. 
Uh, and we've still got some players that, that to come back into that as well, which is even better. Yeah, well, great to see uh, such positive results and a positive weekend despite the... Uh the adversity of travel. Um, it is a big week for cricket, of course, lately. We've had the CI final at the KG5 and then on Saturday, uh, Jersey comes to town for the uh, the men's 50-over Interinsula. Um, I'm sure you'll be hoping to be in contention um, for that 11. Ben, just uh, give us a sense of, of how you guys are feeling as a men's squad heading into it. Yeah, obviously, really confident following, you know, the the, the series win against Germany um, playing some real tough cricket against Holland Day as well. Uh, again, that sort of touring aspect that We've come together as a group again, which it's always great to get off island and play some cricket. So yeah, we're, we're excited. Um, obviously, I've only seen this from afar because I've been on WhatsApp groups for sort of the past month, being away on every <laughs> tour. Um, so yeah, uh, I know the lads are chomping at the bit. There's been some chat already today in the WhatsApp groups. So, you know, yeah, uh, obviously I'll, I'll be keen as anything to play in that game and put on the Guernsey shirt again. As you say, uh, the guys have had some great experience this summer. It does feel like there's been a lot of progress uh, made um, since since Jeremy Frith's come in, um, you obviously some tougher fixtures, and as you say, the the tour as well. Um, do, do you feel like compared to recent years, you go in as a squad with as much kind of confidence and 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 sort of belief as ever? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that Frith has definitely brought in is that sort of professional element of of cricket. Uh, he's obviously come from a, a, a real professional background, um, and that's the kind of the way that the GCB from top to bottom is is looking to be run. Um, that breeds confidence as well when you go away on tours and, and win fixtures. Um, and that actually does bring that belief. You know, it's, it, it was great to beat Germany and actually see proper performances, certain players. You know, Josh had a great week, uh, which is fantastic. Stokes, his first week captaining, it was just great to be amongst something like that. Um, and that's definitely something which, you know, Fripty is, is sort of bought in, is, is playing that tough cricket, trying to get into 50 over cricket as well, which which is sort of like a big, big game. Um, but yeah, just sort of using tours and stuff like that whereas previously it's always been a nice to see competition this was a bit a bit more of the old school stuff which we probably did sort of 10 years ago um which is obviously what where Fritty's background is Ben Fairbrush speaking to Gareth and I there. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Guernsey's women. Uh, as for the island's men, um, they're in action against Jersey at the KG5 on Saturday, an 11 o'clock start, and we'll have much more build-up in the pages of the Guernsey Press this week. So make sure you pick up a paper uh, every day um, to get the latest on how things are shaping up on that front. Welcome back. Uh, our colleague, Jamie Ingrill, has joined us in the studio. How are you doing, Jamie? Hello. I am good, thank you. <laughs> good to hear. Really good to hear. We're going to talk triathlon now, Jamie, because, um, yeah, it has been some season for Guernsey's top man, Josh Lewis. Um, gold in the Island Games here on Guernsey Soil as well. A great result in London a couple of weeks ago, but he's taken it to new heights over in Finland with a fifth place finish in the world uh, at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. Fifth in the world, Jamie, the top Brit in the event. Um, just put it into context. Uh, <laughs> the significance of that result i think fifth in the world in an actual professional global field i think that largely speaks for itself but then you can look further down the results and you'll see uh last year's winner and their reigning olympic champion christian blumenfeld finishing 36th i i know christian didn't have the best day but it sort of drills in the fact that he is competing against some of the world's genuine best athletes so obviously massive kudos to him. Well, I definitely think 70.3 is definitely a distance which suits Josh more. Um, he's got tremendous stamina and I think he'll be first to admit he's not always the best person with changeovers, etc. He's had a few silly issues go against him over the years. But I think he's taken to that distance really well. He's got 
podium positions in Staffordshire and London earlier this season. And it's nice to see him putting it all together to get one genuine, real career standout results. Uh, phenomenal to see Josh uh, excelling on a global stage. And it was great to catch up with him a little earlier on today, uh, clearly still buzzing uh, about what he'd achieved over the weekend. First of all, congratulations um, on the result, on the performance over the weekend. Just sum up what it means to you to have, to have finished fifth in the world. Yeah, well, firstly, thank you very much. But uh, secondly, I, I, I'm still not quite, uh, it's not quite sunk in, to be quite honest. I think I'm still getting a bit of waves of like being overwhelmed, but then also coming back down to earth and being like, yeah, okay, just normal, being normal day to day. And then being like, oh no, actually that was that was pretty epic. Like I'm really, really chuffed and happy with that. It was an incredible performance and it was one of those days. So let's put it that way. Yeah, incredible. Just um, for people who don't know much about uh, Ironman events, um, just set the scene for us in terms of, of what the whole occasion is like because you're over in Finland. Um, yeah, what, what was the, the setup like, the the kind of conditions and, and, and the, just the competition itself? Yeah, so uh, Ironman is obviously a, a massive uh, events company and they put on the triathlon events uh, throughout the world. This is the culmination. So you have to qualify for this event. This is the culmination of the best athletes in the world um, from age group to professionals. Uh, so they basically pump a load of money into this event and it is the pinnacle of all of those events. And it really did show like there was so many athletes there. The whole setup was insane. Like I can't really like actually explain how mega it was. But uh, from the build-up, the merchandise tent, the kind of athletes' lounges, the transitions, the whole village was incredible. I think the best way to describe it is like uh, basically the architectural footprint of the whole thing and where it was, the venue, the environment, all of that had been really carefully curated to enable all of the athletes to like basically buzz thrive in that area so yeah it is it's a very well uh curated event and it showed and yeah i think it really helped everyone basically amp themselves up for it get in the mood get in the spirit um and then yeah like i think even after the event the the after party was just immense like it's, it's not standard after party like uh it, it's uh not not quite the same sort of shebang but it is like a, they call it a banquet um but it was basically just a prize giving and there was thousands of people there all like at this seated meal um just celebrating everyone's achievements and it the the stage performances everything was amazing like yeah it's, it, it was quite incredible and then obviously like the competition as well like the level that was there like just being amongst the best people in the world Obviously, like I've been to the Commonwealth Games, and that's against some of the best people in the world. But this was slightly different because obviously the Commonwealth is limited to the Commonwealth regions, whereas this is a qualification process throughout the whole world. So it's not limited in that respect. So you get literally the best of the best. There was a couple of people missing, but like yeah, it's it's uh, it was quite incredible to be up against those people. Yeah, and clearly that whole setup, and as you say, the the kind of motivation from it rubbed off on you because, um, yeah, as you said, you produced an amazing performance to finish fifth, the top British male, as well. Um, just just talk us through the race and and kind of, uh, you know, it's obviously a, it's quite a substantial 
distance you're covering. Um, but when when did you start to feel like you might be on for something good? Um, <laughs> I I don't think I ever felt as though I was on to like some. I, I was always worried about blowing up or not quite getting to the <laughs> not to not get to the finish, but like. Yeah, you can run out of energy essentially because it's such a long race. It's four hours and I was going so hard the entire time. I wasn't sure if my body was going to like handle that amount of work because it's never done it before. Like I think that that's the hardest I've ever worked in one of these races from the gun, basically. So obviously you're lining up with, I don't know, 60 other athletes, like world-class professionals and you dive in together and to be honest, that was the roughest long course race I think I've ever done, similar to what you get in short course racing. Um, I was just getting like hit left, right, and center. Like I was just, I basically had to pull the handbrake, settle back a little bit in the swim, and then like scoot to get a little bit more room, and then I could settle into my rhythm. Managed to somehow get into the front group. I, I did obviously swim very hard, but yeah, managed to get into the front group. Um, of there was loads of us. There was about twenty people in that front group, and I think I came out about twelfth. Um, but when you got onto the bike, then it was a case of very quickly, you had to put out a lot of Watts energy expenditure to try and establish yourself in the front few, because that was basically where the race was decided for me. So I managed to get in a group of seven up front, um, leave, having to leave behind some very well-established names, uh, Ben Canute for one, like came second at the world championships last year i was behind him to begin with and then i saw he was losing the the wheel in front of him so i had to come round him um just to make sure that i tried to connect to the front group basically because i thought that that was going to be one of the race like deciders um and yeah just had to kind of make that decision very quickly luckily i did because i think that was basically what formulated the rest of my race not that it made it any easier whatsoever. I was basically just hanging on for dear life the entire bike ride, but thought that, or hoped at least, that that was going to be putting time into the people behind. I had no idea. We weren't getting any time splits, but I knew that I was riding very, very hard and we were going very fast. I, at one point, I looked down and it was about 40k. I think we'd gone through 40k in under 50 minutes. Then at 60k, it was like, 48 kilometers an hour that we'd been going and like with 30k to go my legs were like ringing I, I was struggling through just to stay in contact and these boys were just riding my legs off and I was wasn't sure if I was going to stay in managed to get to t2 here or thereabouts with them and then yeah just wasn't sure if I was going to be able to run to be honest so it was <laughs> it's completely uncharted territory for me because I know that I've got good biking legs but that like I said that was the hardest that I've ever had to push so luckily for me I think I'd fueled very well the conditions suited me um because it was a little bit colder so being from this more uh chilled out climate um it, it was uh it made the level it made the field a little bit more level because some people don't cope well with heat i.e me but um, because it was cold, everyone was on a pretty much level playing field. And uh, yeah, I was able to run quite well and luckily hold off. Um, well, actually, I came I came into transition with a group of six, managed to outrun one of them who was an Olympian, Justice Nieschlag. He'd had his legs ridden off, I think, just to stay in touch, but then couldn't run. 
Um, and then, yeah, I unbelievably managed to hold off the groups behind because there were some really fast runners and cyclists in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I was like really pleased to have a really good run and, yeah, just kind of hold them off. And what was it like crossing the line? I saw the photo, um, you know, you got a big grin on your face even after all that uh, that effort. Um, yeah, big crowd. Um, yeah, must have been a very special feeling. Yeah, no, it was like, I think coming into the transition, it was, I wasn't quite sure if I was actually still holding the sixth place off because I couldn't quite believe it. Um, and it was just overwhelming. I I saw Emily and my parents um, and yeah, it was just, I can't describe the emotions because I was just overwhelmed at, at the time. Oh, that's awesome. And you've had such an amazing summer, obviously the Island Games here, you know, slightly different level, of course, um, but I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know as special as anything nonetheless. You had a great result in London, didn't you, as well, a few weeks ago. And then this, I mean, could it have gone much better for you, do you think, this this summer season? Uh, no, I don't think it could have gone too much better, in all honesty. Um, I've been getting as much out of myself as I could do, and I've been learning a lot along the way so I think the first few races that I've done this season were big learning curves it's the first time that I've properly invested myself into this long course um, season and doing 70.3s so I think yeah when when I've been doing the early races in the season there were so many learnings and taking takeaways that enabled me to improve each time and it may not have looked like that like it on the results sheets but I know that I was taking forward different things each time improving on them and then when i was then able to translate that into some podiums whether it be in staffordshire or island games or london then again it gave me more confidence it gave me another learning experience on how hard i could push and that all allowed me to to put together the result that i was able to do in lati yeah fantastic and what, what does it mean for your career i mean Obviously, it's a sport that is so demanding for time, for for energy. Um, to have a result like this, does it does it sort of put you on the map? I mean, uh, does it? I mean, is it, are you already looking ahead to what what's next? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, this season it shouldn't change too much of what I'm doing. Um, but next season, I'm hoping that it'll open some doors. I'm hoping that it will get me on some different start lines. Um, hopefully, the biggest thing that it might change is to my sponsorship deals and contracts and things and that will then allow me to really focus on what I'm doing when I'm doing it and allow me the finances essentially to get to where I need to be because that's one of the biggest things at the moment it's like I'm having to work which I love doing like I, I don't think I'd change that but it also means that I've only got a limited amount of budget to be able to spend going to these races which is obviously extortionate like to travel here there and everywhere even an entry is is very expensive so if I can get more funds to be able to do that, then I can get to different locations, different races, get more points, get more access to some, some professional traffic organization, PTO races, and all of those that it's just like a, um, a secular kind of nature of kind of self-fulfilling. The more races that you're able to go to and kind of access, the better pay and the better points you're able to get. And then you can, again, go to better races, more points, more money. 
And yeah, hopefully the trajectory will be good if I can stay in good form and if I can talk to the right people, get in, get in front of the right people and uh, yeah, just keep on going with that because I'd love to make a living out of it. I, I mean, I am sort of making a living out of it, but yeah, pro properly, like not being on a shoestring sort of thing. And presumably as well, just in motivational terms, achieving something like this must put some more fire in the belly and, and just kind of remind you why you do what you do. 100% like it they're, they're, it's not sacrifices per se because obviously they're, they're decisions that I've made and I would stand by them and I'd do them again um, every single time but I think the amount of effort and kind of commitment that it takes to not get results is quite painful and it it's more of a relief I, and I hear this quite a lot from professionals like when they get big results and I can completely understand that like I think Staffordshire was my first big result uh, that I've had at this sort of level um, and it qualified me for the world championships and the overwhelming emotion that I had then on reflection was relief and that it was all worth it, all of the kind of hard work, training and commitment and dedication that not only me but the rest of my team and family have uh, for this journey is worth it and that's what means everything to me and like i don't want other people to have to either sacrifice or even put up with me on a day-to-day -day basis because sometimes <laughs> i'm like a bit short or tired or whatever it is and they've put, gone through that with me and it, it just makes it all worth it so yeah it definitely keeps me motivated i think it keeps the people around me motivated which is another very important factor and uh yeah like m makes everyone look forward to the next season as well Josh Lewis speaking to me there and uh, yeah, huge congratulations to him. Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see uh, what he does next and how this uh, kind of catapults him forward in his career. Um, let's have a look back at what else has been going on over the weekend and a, and a quick uh, cast ahead to, to what's coming up. Uh, yeah, Jamie, you were pretty busy. You've been at the Horse of the Year show. You were down at Foots Lane at, at Athletics on Friday. Um, yeah, what was the standout moments from your weekend? Oh gosh. Um, I think honestly, I'm going to have to go for the Horse of the Year show because it's something which comes around once a year and it's less often than that than you get to see that you get to see Guernsey beating England which was a terrific result for our senior quartet in the team events yeah fantastic result who were the standout riders oh gosh I think obviously all four members did their job I think we do need to give praise to Sean Staples and Justin Ogier who went clear in both rounds of the team event because it's not just one off you have to jump on Thursday then you have to go, go again on Sunday and definitely on Sunday there are a lot of nerves just because Guernsey had had a really hot start going through the first day with basically a perfect result and they knew they had to maintain that on the final day against England which is never going to be easy you can read more about the horse of the year show uh, in Wednesday's paper um, so do pick that up uh, what about Friday night uh, the night of the 5000s down at the track uh, what's that all about <laughs> oh, it's just a terrific event. I think we get a load of running races and make a festival out of it, but it's genuinely really inclusive. And what I thought really captured the spirit of the event was having all these Masters miles going along. We had about 25 runners, age 50 to up to 83, taking part in those events, which provided a nice like backdrop to a main 5,000 metre running festival, which obviously had some of Ireland's top athletes in action. Yeah, any big performances that kind of lit up the track on the, on the evening? Yeah. <laughs> 
I guess uh, Steve Dawes was obviously going to be fantastic. And I mean, anyone would have picked him as favourite for the men's events. Unfortunately, he had a bit of a lonely race and maybe didn't produce the sort of time you think he's capable of. But a lot of just Guernsey's second tranche were running really respectable times and personal best just behind him. And I think we do have to credit Nix Petty, who was the fastest woman, with breaking 18 minutes for the first time and climbing to fifth on the Guernsey all-time list. Yeah, great stuff. You, you mentioned Steve Dawes there, fresh uh, or reasonably fresh from breaking the Guernsey Park Run record, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's insane. So the record of 1648... I know it's not quite a race, but there's always been an element of competitiveness amongst some of our top runners. And it's a decent 5k course. Like, you'll probably be a minute slower than you would on the flat. But yeah, Mike Batiste, who works here, his record has stood since 2018. And for Steve to go and take 33 seconds off it with 16.15 on a slow course. Yeah, that's very impressive. You're going to try and match that? Gosh, I think I'm some way from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've plodded around a couple of times, but I'm not troubling the scorers, I don't think, on that one. Um, Gareth, yeah, we talked about the cricket already. Quick word about GFC, a um, couple of defeats for them and, and an interesting afternoon at Fitz Lane on Monday. Yeah, it's a shame when the sort of most memorable thing of the weekend turns out to be a, a very controversial red card, which, to be honest, it's still, I still don't quite know what went on because when you're sort of on the far side of the pitch and, it, and it's it's done for sort of something that's been said or something that apparently has been said and you just don't really know what's going on and discussions are happening for six or seven minutes, um, it left the whole Garen Sand a bit sort of bemused as to why Charlton Govine had been shown a red card. I mean, we've since found out that... Um, he, he he said a comment um, directed towards referee, um, which we, as we believe, um, the linesman sort of misheard what he said. And um, it, it just ended up um, being a, a red card for Charlton and uh, GFC very quickly sort of... Um, got uh, a few statements from people in in and around and, and I think there has been a misunderstanding as to what was said but it was just a shame that it was sort of came just after GFC had gone behind and it just sort of it, it did sort of deflate everyone and even with over 35 minutes to go you knew they weren't going to sort of come back into that game because just the whole atmosphere had sort of uh, sullied somewhat so um, yeah, it was a shame that that happened on, on Monday um, by all accounts um, on Saturday when they lost 4-0 at Ascot, um, GFC were, were as poor as that suggests. I think uh, Tony Vance was um, was pretty uh, adamant that um, they were uh, played a big part in their own downfall of that one. So, yeah, it's a shame they came out of, the, uh, of a sort of double-header weekend with, with nothing to show for their efforts. But uh, there are some promising signs. They played some really good stuff on, in the first 25 minutes against uh, South Park on Monday. Should have scored. They had a couple of very good chances, um, which hopefully they'll be sort of taking more often than not over this season but yeah there, there's definitely potential there and uh, uh, we we won't sort of dwell too long on, on what happened at the weekend yeah back on the road on Saturday where it's Sutton Common Rovers big week for football the local season um, well getting underway sort of proper um, Friday night sees the FNB pre-league opener uh, rec hosting Rangers um, more games on Saturday and if you haven't already do listen to our full domestic season preview uh, podcast um, which you'll find on this feed um, hearing from some representatives of the club's expected to be battling out at the top of the division also we check in on the, the women's game and how that's shaping up this season and hear from Jersey about what their domestic uh, game is going to look like and, and who uh, our Guernsey sides might be looking out for 
for towards the uh, business end of the season. So yeah, do go and have a listen to that. Um, just quickly, Gareth, look ahead to the weekend. Um, it is pretty busy, isn't it? Uh, as you say, we've got the cricket in Trinidad we've already talked about. Raiders begin their season and there's a couple of golf entrances. Yeah, it's the seniors and the juniors at Langcrest um, on Saturday and Sunday. It's, uh, it's a slightly shortened format compared to the men's and women's entrances because it's just it's one session of four balls on Saturday for both and then the singles on Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, I think both Guernsey sides, they, they look very strong. The juniors will be pretty heavy favourites, I'd have thought. That, I mean, three of their team are going to be going on to represent the men's side the week later. So that sort of shows the form they've been showing this, this summer. Um, and our seniors uh, side is looking very good. And just a word for Dave Nicole, who's going to be part of that side. That's uh, Jeremy's dad. And he had a really good win on Saturday, shooting a 69 gross to win the, the Buck Trout Cup, which is one of the bigger events at, at the Royal Guernsey. So um, the signs are it, it could be a very good weekend for Guernsey on, on Lancrest. Yeah, going in a good form. That's what we like to hear about. Jamie, uh, what have you got your eye on? Uh, fingers crossed on Sunday, we'll have Ala Chalmers closing the curtains on this season at Foots Lane. Uh, obviously, it's fantastic seeing an athlete of his caliber compete on local soil. And if you're about, give him a good cheer. Yeah, definitely get down there for sure. Um, he's been uh, winning a lot of races this season and I'm sure he'll be expecting uh, to do the same this weekend. Um, so that'll be a good sight. Uh, right, yeah, it is a busy one. Um, make sure, as I say, you pick up a paper six days a week um, for the very best local sports coverage around. Do follow us on social media as well at GSY Press Sport is a place to go. And we'll be back next week with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast. So uh, yeah, do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your shows um, to get every episode delivered to you. Tell a friend. Friend. Cheers, guys. Uh, it's been fun. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.